Innovation in education is always a work in progress. Welcome to Educational Innovations, a podcast from eSchool News exploring transformations in education. We'll discuss how education leaders are responding to COVID-19, the future of schools, and the silver linings from the disruption of hybrid and remote learning. This episode is brought to you by Jamf, the standard in Apple Enterprise Management. Jamf extends the legendary Apple experience people love to businesses, schools, and government organizations through its mobile device management software. Their educational product, Jamf School, is an intuitive, powerful solution that gives you the ability to deploy and manage Apple devices with ease, so you can focus on your mission of teaching students. To learn more, visit jamf.it slash eschoolnews. That's J-A-M-F dot I-T slash eschoolnews. Okay, hello. Welcome to the latest episode from eschool news. My name is Kevin Hogan. I'm editor-at-large for eschool news, and I'm glad you, you clicked around to find us. With me today, Mark Finstrom. Mark is the CTO of Highline Public Schools out in the great state of Washington. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great, Kevin. Great. Thanks. Uh, you know, we, we spoke, I guess, about six months ago, which seems about 16 years ago <laughs> or so now. <laughs> uh, I think it was, it was back in June when you know, the pandemic was really starting to see that it was getting its hooks uh, into everyone. And we had a, a great conversation, an inspiring conversation, actually, about uh, some ways that you found how to use technology, specifically mapping software, to right. help solve some of the, the digital equity issues that you had in your district. I guess maybe we should start off since then. How, how are things going uh, at, at Highline Schools? Well, we are still basically in a stay-at-home order uh, with school being in distance learning. So we, we do have a few students who are in the school. They are our, uh, we call it the IAC program. They're students who need specific care and additional instruction, but it's only a handful of kids when you consider the district-wise. I imagine we're somewhere around 150 kids in the in the buildings, but yeah. everybody else is still at home. Okay, and I guess then back in June, you and everyone was still almost in a triage sort of situation, uh, <laughs> trying to just kind of make that sort of connection. Talk a little bit about you know then and now. I mean, how, how is your remote learning strategy yeah. uh, matured? <laughs> you know, I will... I will say we as a district have been extremely uh, focused on making sure that the environment is great for students and for learning. And we adopted several new tools, really honed our set of educational tools down, but there was a lot of work involved with that. And it wasn't just work in IT, it was work in teaching and learning and communications and you know, HR and budget. But uh, we also deployed more devices, and we're still working on internet access for our families. I mean, last time I talked with you, um, I was in the midst of that. We have nearly 6,000 families taken care of with internet access, and I know there's more. So, yeah. you know, we forged ahead. We're doing great. Man, we're getting burned. We're yeah. getting burned out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's part, part of the conversation I wanted to have today to talk a little bit about your team and your IT team. You know, as I've gone through these conversations over the course of the, the past couple months, 
there's a big emphasis on social emotional learning for students, right? There's this, there's this big kind of resurgent uh, understanding of the importance of, you know, emotional connection and safety for students, obvious. Other conversations involve taking care of the parents now, which as a, as a district, many districts never even really kind of had that in their, in, in their frame of reference, right? Right. Uh, and then also uh, you see in a lot of the education titles and up online talking about the importance of faculty uh, and teachers obviously struggling during this time and, and needing that. One team which sometimes seems to escape the spotlight is the IT team, is the technical support team. And uh, as we mentioned just before uh, we came on, you know, maybe the biggest heroic deed of a, of a, tech, of a, of a tech team would have been to upgrade the, the Chrome from, to the latest version uh, five years ago. Now we're talking about things that are almost, you know, like first responder. Talk a little bit about some of the things that uh, your team and you had to do back at the beginning, which is quite extraordinary. And then, and then what do you continue to do now, which is so far and above what you had to do in the past? Well, you know, back in the beginning, we rolled out 13,000 computers in basically two weeks to get Amazing. at home access. And then we realized internet access needed to be right on that, the tails of that. And I worked with the city, I worked with the state and the counties and the feds. And we ended up getting access to a lot of funds to buy some additional hotspots, to roll out uh, uh, internet essentials through Comcast. But there's a lot of logistics with that. I mean, you're yeah. contacting families, you're going through a process. Well, we did that during the, the spring of the last school year. And then our planning was really in place to say, are we going to come back as a hybrid in the fall? Are we going to come back as a virtual in the fall? Are we going to come back as a all students in the fall? And so we spent, you know, multiple hours for several months planning for what was going to happen come September. And what happened in September? The same thing that happened in March. All kids are still at home. Yeah. But we now had a new issue. We had to start school with kids being at home and passwords changing and parents not knowing what to do and connectivity concerns and new applications out there. And so IT we uh, took a, an approach to roll out a new single sign-on application to make things easier for our kids. We then created a, basically a help desk for parents, and we manned that help desk from uh, 6 a.m. until 6 p.m. for two and a half months during the start of the school year to be able to handle calls coming in. We had translators. We had interpreters. But honestly, what we had to do was we had to rebuild a lot of our equipment even that was out there because kids had had it and, you know, kids aren't always that gentle with equipment. So we had hardware that had failed. We had handed out some hardware that really shouldn't have been handed out because it was going to be uh, transitioned out of our network. So we deployed new equipment. Heavy um, usage but, too, right? I mean, yeah, heavy usage. I mean, kids are using all the applications that were, we're doing, the teachers are doing phenomenal work, but it's the back end side that nobody sees. Yeah. Like all those hooks and, and connections that are done for 
interoperability between applications and that single sign-on, what did that mean? Yeah, it's great. I'm a parent. I'm a kid. I can log in and boom, I'm, I'm to all my applications. But the ton of work that had to go in, in the, to setting all that up, configuring it, testing, deploying it, and then supporting it because it was a new tool. And that all fell on our shoulders in IT. And there were, I actually worked in that contact center every day from before six o'clock in the morning until almost seven o'clock at night for two months. I was in that room and it was Monday through Friday. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, I would go through all the emails that came in. I can't get this. I need to do that. Yeah. Where, where is this located? Yeah. And I'd respond to that. And, you know, my team was busy working with families trying to get support out there and making sure that they're able to log in as well. And kids are coming in with a device to swap out to get a different one because something would happen with the devices. And so 15 members of the physical hardware team, and then you have the network team, another six members, and then you have the applications team, which is another uh, seven members. They're all focused on this. So that entire team was trying to get 20 to 25,000 people a seamless start to the school year and it worked, but we burned out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it's, you essentially turned into a, a customer service center, right? I mean, you must've had elements of that before, yeah. but now, but now you're on, on, a, on a 12 hour shift. Yeah. We had never had parents sending us emails before or calling us before they would call the schools. So now they're having problems. Who do they go to? Yeah. Well, it's not Ghostbusters. It's IT. <laughs> no, it's not going to the school. The school can't assist with them. So what ended up happening is we became that bridge now. And we started answering their questions. And yes, it worked. And the families are happy. In fact, yesterday I received an email in that inbox. It was a very cantankerous conversation when I went down to the to the last of the thread and I worked my way up. Yeah, yeah. The parent was was very illustrative in their conversation. Three conversations at the bottom. And then when we got to the very top, it was, thank you so much. I now understand all that work that you were going through and why you did it. It has been the best year ever for my kids. I can't thank you enough. Where did that go. come from, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, maybe that's one of the the things that will come out and stick as a re result of this pandemic, especially in a public school dynamic, especially yeah. in, a, in a school to parent dynamic where everyone is frustrated, but with maybe a bit of understanding and empathy <laughs> at the end of the right. day. Right. And, and I do know the teachers are working their, their tails off with the kids. Yeah. But often what they're doing is they're, they're using the tools that we have put together and tried to implement and tried to release for them to make it so that they can be more effective in their instruction. So we still have, you know, training that needs to happen for teachers. We still have uh, support for teachers that is, I mean, it's there, but it's probably not as robust as it could be because we don't get to see the teachers either. 
Right. And, you know, you try to do your training and you try to have PD with them. You try and have support sessions with them. Quite honestly, you know what it's like. You sit behind the screen for four hours a day. Yeah. You're burned out. And you you just, you can't absorb anymore. And know? especially when you're talking about IT or like software application workshops, I mean, most teachers groan at that stuff in the first place, right? Because yeah. it's, it's because it's boring. It's well, not necessarily, you know. How do you, how do you meet their needs, Kevin, when they're, they have so many different setups, you know, they're at home. Yeah. Some of them are in the building, but they, they're not using the same equipment. They're in different grade levels. They have different requirements so to speak, that's a loose word, but more like expectations from their administration in terms of how they are supposed to communicate and work with the students related to their, their courses. And everybody's got to try and, and weave that into the new solution. So, yeah. Well, have you found that, have you been able to standardize that at all? I mean, talk about your district. It's a, it's a big district, right? Yeah, well, we're, we're about 20,000 students. Yeah. Uh, we surround SeaTac International Airport, so I've got four cities and, a, and what's called unincorporated King County. We're a high free and reduced uh, school district, so we have a fair amount of poverty. We have a lot of languages. Uh, we have dual language in our district, so a number of schools are, are doing Spanish and English, so that adds a new layer. we we have a school that we're trying to do Vietnamese and English, you know, so now you've got teachers who are trying to teach uh, multilingual classes using a Zoom class. And, you know, and then you have devices that are in the hands of kids, which are designed not to be as robust as what we need them even. You know, you have Chromebooks in the hands of these kids and, you run too many Zoom sessions, basically that device starts to almost melt. Yeah. It, it yeah. just can't handle that kind of connectivity. Yep. But I think what's sadder is the fact that if you have the means, you have high-speed internet. If you don't have that, you now get a hotspot or you get internet essentials. And you get a 25-3 connection. So you had 25 down, three up. And you're trying to compare that to somebody who's getting 180 down and 25 up. You can't, you just can't get the bandwidth. And so these kids get choppy experiences with the teacher and they can't connect to the Zoom sessions all the time. And so we try to optimize things to help them meet that need. And we try to find other solutions that work. And it's just a, it's almost a constant, it's a constant wave of you get one thing solved and then another thing comes up. You get one, next one solved and another thing comes up. Well, so how do you, um, as, as a leader, how do you work with those sort of uh, dynamics uh, with your team? I mean, everyone's, exhausted right i mean yeah. and, and to continue at this at this pace you think how, how can you do it and and here we are in, yeah in anyway and many of those things come back to non-technology related 
things. It comes back to social, emotional welfare and taking care of our staff. We start meetings with an SEL approach. Uh, you know, how are you doing? What's yeah. going on in your, your life? Do you have anything that you need assistance with? And then giving staff the opportunity to just decompress. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not there to be their counselor. Sure. I will listen to that, but I have access to counselors and others to help them. I'm more concerned about, you know, is there something going on in their personal life that is going to impact their work? I mean, potentially they could have lost a, a family member to COVID. Right. Right. Or close friend. Right. And, you know, they're struggling with the whole aspect of whether or not they can continue in many ways. So we start meetings that way. We try to engage the staff. And I'm going to tell you, I even got into this weirdest funk this year because I got into a zone and I was in that zone and I didn't think about things outside of that zone because I was trying to make the experience for the families and for the students and for the teachers as best I could. Who did I forget? Yourself. Myself and my team. So, you know, through the process of working with my team, you know, I'm now rebuilding basically some relationships with my own team because they suffered because I fell into that funk yeah, yeah. and I forgot about them. Yeah. And they, some of them had even expressed that I didn't care if they worked tireless, endless hours to make sure that kids were in school. And that wasn't the intent, but that's how it came across. Right. Right. Well, and again, I mean, desperately looking for um, silver linings of all of this, that maybe those dynamics will be improved once the, the, the madness is passed. Right. Well, you know, that's our, our hope too. Right now we are planning that in February, we're going to be able to bring back some of our students. We don't know what students, we don't know how many students, but when we look around the country and we see that other school districts have kids in the classroom, we keep wondering, what are we missing? Mm. But when we go and we look at the figures of COVID infection in the community, we are still pretty high. So uh, the state and and the Department of Education in Washington have been working with districts and they've been reviewing all of those statistics that they use to determine that rate that we should use. And I think we're at that point now where we can see some of our students coming back. And when that happens, now I'm gonna have a resurgence of, okay, I've got buildings that have been mothballed for almost a year. And if they're going to have students in the building, I'm going to have to reset up these buildings. So now in the last couple meetings that I've had with my staff, it's guys, we have to be thinking about what are we missing out in the buildings? Because we have, we have staff coming back soon. And if they're going to teach, is our network operating at full optimization? Are devices for the teachers configured in a way that when they bring back their laptop, they're going to be able to jump right on the network, 
connect up to their interactive displays or their projectors or their dock cams? Are they going to get to their file structure? And what about the kids? All these students are going to be bringing back their devices because they're going to be coming back and forth. So now I've got this, oh, 10% of them forgot their device at home, but yet they're still going to need it. So now i got to resurrect. And the, char- and the chargers, right? Yeah. That's yeah. what my kids, I'm like, where's your charger? <laughs> so now i got to resurrect that too. i gotta, I got to build a slush in the building to be able to accommodate the kids who come back without their devices. And then there's the breakage that happens. One thing to be at home, you drop off the couch, it hits a carpeted floor. Yeah. You're riding a bus and you drop it off your lap on a bus and it hits a hard floor. Now the screen cracked. You know, so I'm constantly looking for those what if scenarios and how to adjust for them. And uh, the team is astounding. My team is astounding at adjusting to the conversations that we're having. And we've been doing this now for almost a year. Almost a year. Now, when you look at the fall, you know, maybe we're back to some sort of normalcy. Will you continue now to be a one-to-one district? Yeah. Our goals are to stay one-to-one. We have enough devices, and they're all within an age that works well. We did pass a technology levy during the pandemic. We went out for a levy, and in November, our voters overwhelmingly passed a tech levy. I think it was 74%. Wow. So that either tells me they appreciated the technology that was there that their students are using, or they don't like the technology that the students are using and they, they believe that we need to yeah. bolster it, you know, move it up. We'll figure that out. We're, at, we're doing focus groups right now to, to find out what parents are really looking at. Well, I mean, maybe there's another another positive, right? I mean, all these years that we've had conversations about trying to convince your school board and trying to convince your community the importance of having a one-to-one program or having internet access and those sort of things, like, no, no, no one uh, disputes that any longer, That's right? right. <laughs> That's right. No one disputes it right now. Even the naysayer who said, you don't need to have technology, is coming back and saying, hey, how's my kid supposed to learn? Yep. You know? You can't print off enough paper and, and get it to me. And how, how do I engage my child over the phone with the teacher to be able to do the learning? It just doesn't happen that way. But, you know, the, the teachers, you have to give them lots of kudos. I mean, I've seen Twitter feeds and I've seen other social media posts where teachers go and they stand in front of the door at a student's home and they've got a whiteboard or manipulatives and they're teaching the student algebra or mathematics through the door outside. We're just doing the same thing electronically. We're trying to help them do that, that same role so that they don't have to spend that extra time there. And I don't mean that to, to be disingenuous to that student who's, who needs that extra help. Sure. More of that. If I'm a teacher who's responsible for 30 kids, Am I going to be able to spend that same amount of time with 30 students in front of their house doing that math lesson? Right. No way. I can't. Talk a little bit about 
changes in professional development that might be positive. So just like you, oh, yeah. we used to have resistance of, of uh, board members and great community. There always was seemed to be a certain percentage of resistance by teachers themselves to use technology. And talk a little bit about any changes you've seen there. Well, yes, and they've seen the light. They have said, we really need devices that work for us. So in many cases, equipment for teaching staff is sufficient. But again, sometimes the student devices are just not sufficient. I mean, you're giving them a, a Chromebook that does not have as powerful a processor in it, and they're trying to teach multiple math concepts or language arts concepts, and maybe they're using something like Jamboard, and they're, they're doing two or three tabs open, and the, the teacher can do it because their computer is a full Windows-based uh, device or a Mac that can function in that capacity. But yet, when the student logs in and they get three windows open, mm, yeah, yeah. grinds to a halt. Yeah. So the naysayer who's saying, I don't need the technology, is frustrated by that. Yeah. Because they're saying, if I'm in my classroom, I can do all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have the the person who is, you know, not the technophobe. They're the person who's saying technology works great. They're just saying, Can I get more? Can I get more? Can you can you get more RAM in these devices? Can you can you buy better devices? Can you get more technology for us? Because this is working for our kids and we are seeing the change. And I would say we have a higher, we are seeing the change with the technology than those technophobes who are saying, I don't need the technology. And I would say it's overwhelming higher. And the board has resounding support for technology. And they were, you know, they were thrilled. In fact, all of us were extremely thrilled when we saw that we had to at least get supermajority. We had to have more than 60% positive votes, and we had 74%. That's the highest point. our district has ever received for any uh, levy or bond was 76%, and that was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. So the community really stepped up and said, wow, this is just kicking us in the butt, so we need to do this. Well, that's great. I mean, and, you know, Looking forward again, I, my my fingers are crossed for the fall. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it, it sounds like with your district, you have a momentum that's going, and then that enthusiasm that that you can share and that support that you can provide your team. I think are really good lessons for other districts that are um, tuning into the podcast today uh, to to go forward. So I I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your work. I mean, the work you and your team and, and our, our readers and our listeners all over the country are really uh, as important as uh, any other frontline worker or essential worker that, that's out there. Exactly. And, and that's the thing is, you know, the team, they needed the break that came with the holidays. Yeah. It wasn't enough. They need more time. Thankfully, we have figured out ways within our own team to support each other and to uh, cross the load, you know, between different individuals. So, you know, I, I trust that other districts are doing a lot of the similar work 
And I would love to hear from them if they have things that work better than what we're doing because, you know, what we're doing is working and we're, we're doing our best, but we're also doing it with, you know, not very many people when you consider what there could be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we certainly, uh, I, I also certainly encourage our listeners and our viewers to share your best practices uh, with me. I'll share them, share them along to Mark as well as use them for fodder in uh, upcoming episodes. So yeah. um, Mark, thanks again for your time. Hopefully the next time I see you, maybe we'll be in person at ISTE. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, we'll still stay six feet apart, but uh, <laughs> it will be uh, some in person. But if not, promise to come on in six months' time, and we'll talk about further successes. Very good, Kevin. Thank you. And Great. Thank, thank you. all the readers, too, for what yeah. they Yeah, made. thanks, everybody, for watching. Well, and for what they're sharing with you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Great pieces that I have, I have found nuggets of information in there that are helping me to, to move through. So, you know, this is – this is not a mark. This is a we. This is an education community. And I, I have a lot of great compatriots out there in the, in the IT world who are giving excellent feedback. So It's good stuff. Good stuff. And we'll, uh, we'll all get through this. Yes, we will. All right. Until next time, Mark. Day. Thank you very much. Once again, special thanks to Jamf. In a year like no other, digital transformations that were once visionary like zero-touch deployment for at-home employees, virtually educating students, and remote patient care are now necessary and here for the long term. Throughout 2020, Jamf expanded its capabilities to extend its leadership position as the most robust Apple enterprise management platform available today. Expect more of the same in 2021. To learn how Jamf School can help optimize the digital experience and keep students focused and engaged, visit jamf.it slash eschoolnews. That's jamf.it slash eschoolnews.